All right, our first song is going to be Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus.
see that all the way from the beginning of your life. That what you made was good. Lord, we realize that sin has crept in. Lord, that we have decided to rebel against you.
Amen. Amen. All right, the next song we're going to do is God of Wonders. about God of wonders beyond our galaxy. You are holy. You are holy. And you know, I've heard it said that holy actually means to be other than. You know, if we look around, we see the rest of creation around us. We can see that in our homes. We can see that in our neighborhoods. We can see that in our country. We can see that in our world. And all of creation is fallen, just like we prayed about earlier. All of creation is fallen. And that's why God is other than. That's what God is other than. God has not fallen. God is righteous. God is holy. God is pure. God is upright. God is just. He is loving. He is kind. That's who God is. 
And if you look around, if I look around, and I try to see those things in the world, I will come up wanting. I will come up not finding those things without looking at God, without looking for God. I don't know about you, but that to me reminds me of how worthy God is. God is that much different than you and I, that He is perfect. I'm going to ask that you'll stand with me and we're going to we're going to sing Because He Lives, 449. This is not our offertory hymn. We will have an opportunity for you to be able to tithe or, or give an offering as you go out the door. There will be a, a, an offering tray on the right-hand side. Uh, but we do want you to sing along with this. 449, Because He Lives.
be the, the perfect example of fulfilling your purpose, God. Lord, we thank you for your law. Then it reminds us of, um, or it educates us and lets us know where we fail you. Lord, we falter in so many ways. We sin in so many ways. And Lord, help us to be uh, familiarizing ourselves with your word. Lord, I pray that you will help us to be diligent and you will help us to be fervent. Lord, in our, in our aspiration to follow you. Lord, to love others as you have loved us. To serve others as, as you have served us. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much that it did not end with the cross, with you dying there. Lord, we thank you that you were able to overcome sin and death and live again. Lord, that is what gives us hope. That we also can be where you are. Lord, we thank you that you, are, you have gone ahead for us and you have prepared a place for us. In my Father's house, there are many mansions or many rooms. And Lord, I pray that each person in here, Lord, that they have made the, the right commitment to make you Lord and Savior of their lives so that they will have one of those houses, one of those mansions, one of those rooms and a relationship with you most of all. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Amen, amen. I know Jason was mentioning the dwellings, the mansions, and you ladies will be so glad of that because it won't be too hot nor will it be too cold. It will be just right. So look forward to that. If you would take your copy of God's Word and look with me in the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. We're going to be looking at three different narratives and I know that we have already gone through every chapter in Acts some years ago. But today I just want to not necessarily highlight the narrative. We'll go through the narratives. There are three verses that I want us to hone in on as we read through these three narratives. And it will give us the title of today's message, which is, And the Word of God grew. And we're going to look at three different passages of Scripture. Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 12, and Acts chapter 19. We're so glad that you're here. We're glad Marianne's here. I know Ike is recuperating. He's not 100%, but he is 100% better than what he was a week ago. A uh, young man's been through a lot of and recuperating. I know you being there. Hospital furniture, just not comfortable. 
Your own bed is the best, and we are glad that y'all are back. Send him our best. We're praying for him, and glad that you are here and get to involve ourselves in um, worshiping together and baptism and song and prayer and be able to give a portion of our tithes and offerings to God as well. Then to feast on the Word here today. So we're looking at the title of today's message, and the Word of God grew. That is spoken three different times in the book of Acts and the passage that we're looking at. And when Jesus was speaking to Simon and he had asked him, who do they say I am? And then he turns around and says, who do you say I am? You're the son of the living God. You're the Christ. He said, heaven revealed that to you. Man didn't reveal that to you. And he goes on to say that I'm going to change your name from Simon to Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail. We, as born-again believers, whether you're in the city of Columbia or the country of Columbia, if you're in the nation or country of China, or if you're in Canada, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The church still moves forward. Now, I know there are pockets of places of worship that the doors have closed or the building has been dilapidated and has fallen in, but that doesn't mean the church has died. The church is still growing. The church is still progressing because the church is made up of individuals, not buildings. We come and we assemble at a place that's been dedicated for worship and for missions, even whether it's here or in homes or in, in storefronts, wherever they may be where the church gathers, that's where the church is. And the church is still moving. The church is still progressing. This is why the church will not in. God is eternal. And when Jesus said the gates of hell shall not prevail, either, he, either he's the biggest liar known to man, or he truly is the son of God, and what he says is true. So whatever out there in the world throws at believers is still not going to make the church die. The church will still progress. The gates of Hades cannot prevail against the church. There are three facts I want to share with you this morning. Coming out of these passages, the verse one begins in Acts chapter 6. The first fact is this, the church overcame disunity. The church overcame disunity. So look with me in Acts chapter 6. Now in those days, when the numbers of the disciples was multiplying. There arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because the widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. 
We'll stop here for a moment. There was a legitimate concern. There was a legitimate complaint. And when we think about conflict, we always think of negative. Conflict is neutral. It all depends on which direction it's turned in. Well, here, this was a conflict. It was a bump in the disunity or the unity of the church that brought disunity between two groups of people with Jewish background. You had the Hebrew-speaking Jews who spoke Aramaic and Greek, and then you had the Hellenist or Grecian Jews who only spoke Greek. They had a Jewish background, but didn't speak Aramaic. In that day and time, in this first century, you had Jewish background people, those who were native Jews, would move to Jerusalem so as they got older and older, they could die in Jerusalem. That's how much they thought about Jerusalem. And then if they died there, they would be buried there. And so there arose a conflict. There was a bump in the unity of the body of Christ among these people of the followers of Christ and that these Greek-speaking Jews had a complaint that their widow's needs were not being met. A legitimate concern that they brought to the leaders of the church. And the leaders of the church being the apostles said, look, we can't go and wait on tables and desert the ministry of the Word. We have got to spend time in the Word to be able to learn, to be able to teach, to be able to give it to you all. And so here's what we need to do. They set up some guidelines. And it pleased the church. And these were the three guidelines. I want you choose among yourselves as a church seven men that are good reputation, that are full of Holy Spirit, and have wisdom. Those are your three qualifications. Look among the believers and decide among yourselves who fits that particular mold, and then y'all agree upon that and let them be the ones who administer out the service to the widows whose needs are not being met. And so they did. The scripture tells us here um, in verse, what verse is it? Verse 5, these men were chosen. And so the guidelines were provided. It was implemented by the church. We find that the structure of the organization took on a change because a need arose that wasn't being met and that it was a legitimate need. Can you pull up verse 7 there, Jacob and Sarah? Thank you. Then the word of the word of God, what? The word of God spread. <laughs> it's okay. The word of God, what? Spread. And the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and even a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. So even in this time of being having to organize the restructured organization of this living organism of the church that these apostles set out um, a certain guidelines, they were fulfilled. And so the church overcame disunity and was once again unified among different groups of people within the church. And it says here in verse 7, Then the word of God spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly. They hit a big pothole in the road of ministry. 
among the believers. It was brought, they recognized it, they dealt with it, and they moved forward, and then the Word of God grew. Look with me now in Acts chapter 12. We looked at this passage last Sunday night. We're not putting you down if you were not here. That's okay. Um, we went through these 24 verses, read through them, talked about them. But I want to come back to them again this morning with this second fact, and it is this. The church continued to pray and to assemble amidst persecution. Whenever the world puts the heat on believers, the church is going to grow even more. Um, it's kind of like oil in a vehicle. Some of you are mechanics. I'm not, but I've been taught, told this, that whenever you crank a vehicle in the cold weather, the oil needs to heat up and be able to circulate throughout the motor. Well, and it does the motor good when the engine is warm. And so when fire is given to believers in the form of persecution, the church is going to continue to progress. It's not going to be suppressed. So the second fact is the church continued to pray and to assemble amidst persecution. Look what the Word of God says here in Acts chapter 12. Here you have Herod, who is Herod the Great's grandson. Just an evil man is his grandfather. <coughs> Now about the same time, Herod, the king, stretched out his hand and harassed some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. This is with a feast that would commemorate the children of Israel coming out of bondage, out of Egypt, that God had rescued them. At this time was a celebration. We have Herod who harassed the church and seized James. You remember James and John, the sons of thunder, the ones that along with their mom Salome who came to Jesus and said, look, my boys, James and John, want to, want to know if they can sit at your right and sit at your left. And Jesus would go on to say, Are you able to drink the same cup of suffering that I'm able to drink? And they said, We are. And here we are. He says, And yes, you will. But to sit at my right hand and my left, that is for my Father. Only He knows and then we get here, James is the one who will be put to death. <clears throat> this pleased the Jewish people and that they seized Peter. Two apostles have been seized out amongst the church. The church is still meeting. The church is still assembling. The church is still praying. And look what happens here in verse, um, it says here in verse 3, and he saw that it pleased the Jews. So he sees Peter as well. well. If you're in the church and two of the leaders within the church have been pulled out, 
One is already dead, been put to death. Peter, the spokesperson of the group when Jesus was here, they're figuring he's going to be put to death as well. Are they going to come for me? Are they going to come for you? That's what they're thinking. But even in the midst of the persecution, look what the Scripture says here in verse 5. Peter was therefore kept in prison. But, but what? Constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. There's where you get the fact. The church continued to pray and the church continued to assemble amidst persecution. So Peter is in jail. He knows that the next day he's going to, well, they're supposed to kill him. He doesn't know that. He knows that what Jesus told him on the shore, Peter, when you're older, you're going to be carried to places you don't want to go. So he's not that point right now, and he's asleep. The church is still up praying. He's asleep in prison, chained between two guards, and there's two guards at the door. Look along with me in verse 6. And when Herod was about to bring them out, or to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, the angel of the Lord stood by him, and the light shone in the prison. Now just get this moment. God speaks from his throne. The angel leaves. He comes to the prison exactly where Peter is. The God's Shekinah glory is being shown by the angel of the Lord. Peter is still asleep. And look what the scripture says here. And Peter, and it says here in verse 7, And the light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side. Get up. Is that what you like in the middle of the night? Somebody to poke you at the rib. I don't know if he poked him at the ribs, but he says he struck him. Wake up. He thinks he's seeing a vision. And the angel says, get on your shoes. Get up. Get on your shoes. Let's go. And so they get up. The chains come off. They go into the city area. Verses 9 and 10. And the gates open without them touching them. He gets to Mary's house. Hello? As we were going through the study of 1 Peter, who was a young man that followed Peter's lead and wrote what we know as the second gospel? Mark, and that's what it says here, Mark. It says here in verse 12, So when he had, cons had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, John Mark. So he's there, he's knocking on the door. What was the church doing? Praying, they were assembling. He was asleep, they're up praying for his release. It's amazing that they're praying for his release. He's knocking on the door. Can you imagine the heart rate? Can you imagine the blood pressure at this point? You know Peter's in jail. James has already been killed. And now there's somebody knocking on the door. Are they coming for us? 
Rhoda comes to the door and it says here in verse 14 when she recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness did not open the gate but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. Look what verse 15 says. And they said to her, you are beside yourself. And then she kept insisting it was so. And Peter continued knocking. Hello, it's me, Peter. When they finally opened the door, it was Peter. And he explained a little bit more there in verse 7. Go tell these things to James and the brethren. Speaking about Jesus' brother, not James, the brother of John. And the guards would find out that Peter was gone and Herod would have them killed. But the story takes a turn. It started off with Herod wanting to kill Peter. He had already killed James. Here's an earthly ruler that thought he was above everyone. Follow along with me in verse 20. Then Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. And he came to him, and with one accord, having made Blastus the king's personal aid, their friend, they asked for peace because their country was supplied with food by the king's country. So there was an economic problem there. And so on a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave an oration to them. Josephus, a Jewish historian, makes an account of this historical event on record. And you're about to see it in his records. And the people kept shouting, the voice of a God and not of a man. The voice of a God and not of man. The voice of God and not of a man. It was like at this moment, Herod is hearing. He is, he is the one who is above all. He is the king. He is King Herod. He is hearing the voice of the people say the voice of a God and not a voice of a man. And the people who are outside, it's like he's pushing his hands back. Oh, no. And saying to himself, oh, no. Oh, yes. Oh, no. And he'd bring his fingers forward. Oh, yes. But he's not saying a word. He's not telling them no. He's enjoying it. He has the power. He has the popularity. He is pleasing the people. And once again, from the throne of heaven, God speaks. The angel of the Lord leaves. And this is what happens in verse 23. Then immediately... An angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and he died. He was wanting the glory for himself. The voice of a God. And since he did not give glory to God, nor honor him, nor was grateful... The angel of the Lord struck him. That is recorded by Josephus here, by Dr. Luke and Josephus, who is a Jewish historian. Some, some scholars seem to think that he had intestinal worms for five days. Think about that for a moment. You're like, I don't want to think about that. That ruins my eating. I don't want to think about it. I just had breakfast. But think about it. Anyone in this building out in the parking lot and downstairs ever had a tummy ache? 
Yes, sir. We hear you, brother or sister, whichever one it was. Thank you. So you got to come more often and get to hear this stuff. I thought they would honk the horn at the Baptist, and they may have. But thank you out there in the parking lot. But have you ever felt like your intestines have been twisted? And you're praying to God and there's no relief? And it says here, for five days, God was merciful, waiting for him to repent. The scripture never says he did, but for five days. He would not give, he was eaten by worms and he would not give glory to God. I don't know where I got five days from, but anyway, he gave glory to God and he was eaten by worms. That's what it was. And he breathed his last. Jason Sheffield, the one leading the music, said something last week after we got through going through them. Like, man, I wish you would have shared this while we were going through the sermon. So I get to share it now, what he said. And this is what he said. The voice of man hushed. It stopped. Think about that. Think about Nero. Think about Pharaoh. Think about men and women through the ages have done horrible things of mass destruction to people in the 19th century the 20th century, the 21st century. All these people that have been weapons of mass destruction, where are they now? Dead. Their voice stopped. Look what the next verse says. But the word of God grew and multiplied. The church continued to pray and the church continued to assemble amidst persecution. And even in the midst of a persecution, but the word of God grew and the word of God multiplied. There's a third fact that we need to look at. Look with me in chapter 19. The church overcame disunity. The church continued to pray and to assemble in the midst of persecution. And the third fact is this, the church experiences growth once idolatry is cast out. Surely not among believers. Among believers. And it can be. In chapter 19, Paul has made his way to Ephesus. We're told that he has spent some time there in the synagogue. And I believe it was around two, was it two or three months. Um, and then it says in verse 8 of chapter 19, And he went to the synagogue and spoke, here it is, for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. But when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way, talking about the believers, before the multitude, he departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. 
And he went from the synagogue to the schoolhouse and from every day for two years, for 24 months, add another three, be 27 months total. That from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m., a time in which the school was closed down, shop was closed, people took their long nap, they rested throughout the day. Paul took a break from making tents, and then he went into this school of Tyrannus, and then it was there that he would teach, he would persuade people to come and follow the way, the way of Christ. While everyone else was taking a break, he was preaching. And when they would go back to work, he would go back to work, making tents once again. But something happened in verse 11. He's in a cultic environment. It says, Now God worked unusual miracles at the hands of Paul, that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought, to, brought from his body to the sick and the disease. God was doing this to validate the word in which Paul was sharing that was based on Christ. Because they were living in a cultic environment. And again in verse 13 it says that some of uh, the itinerant Jewish exorcists took upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus. A Jew called on the name of the Lord. hope you caught that. And took it upon themselves to call on the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. And it says here in verse 14, Also there were seven sons of Siva, a Jewish chief priest, who did so. And the evil spirit answered, Jesus I know, and Paul I know. But who are you? And then the man to whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house and naked and wounded. And this became known both to all the Jews and the Greeks, dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on the people. God was not going to allow this cultic act to get the glory. He was going to get the glory. Fear came on the, the Greeks and the Jews. Fear fell on them, and the name of the Lord was magnified. But once again, the church experiences growth once idolatry is cast out. The scripture says here in verse 18, And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Now in the Greek, it says here, it, they kept coming and they kept telling and they kept confessing. The Spirit of God was at work. Fear had fallen on the people, and they were magnifying Christ, and they kept coming, they kept confessing. And look at what it says in verse 19. Also, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all, and they counted up the value of them, and it totaled $50,000 or pieces of silver. We had people who had been involved in cultic activities of spell casting. And they were divulging their spells. Once the spells were brought to the light, they became ineffective. We've talked about this before. What you and I hide in the dark, the evil one uses against us. However, when we bring it to the light of Christ, 
the evil one can no longer use it against it. They were divulging the spells when, when in that day and time when magic spells were brought and spoken out, it made them ineffective. They couldn't use them anymore. And here they're bringing them into the light of Christ out of the darkness and they were being set free. You see here a dollar tree was being identified and once it was brought out to the open of Christ, it had no effect to darkness anymore. That's why when you and I hide our sin from God as if He doesn't know. That's why sometimes it's good like Jesus' half-brother James said, confess your sins one to another. It's a healing emotional process that takes place. You're getting it out of you into the open, and it brings healing. Verse 20. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. The church grew once idolatry was cast out. The church grew in the midst of persecution. The church grew and overcame disunity. The church progresses. The church keeps moving. God is always at work. If you'll bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment, as we say, a moment between two eternities. You've heard a lot of God's Word this morning through Bible reading, through prayer, through songs that come from Scriptures. And then we actually look into the Word of God. For those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, regardless of what portion of a continent you live on, whether here or there or anywhere. For those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Are you part of that saved group? Do you recognize God as Creator? That He sent His only begotten Son to earth to rescue mankind from their sin. He went to the cross and our sins were nailed there. And He wrote a certificate of debt, wiping our sin debt clean that for whoever calls upon Him would receive forgiveness and become a new creation in Him. The old things are passed away. All things are made new. You're now part of a chosen race. You're in Christ's likeness. You will be transformed more in the likeness of Christ. But have you repented? Made a spiritual 180? And placed your faith in the risen Savior? If you have not, this is the time to do that today. And if you have, you and I are part of the kingdom movement of God's kingdom 
that is always at work and always progressing and always moving, never stagnant. We may be, God is not. Somewhere, someone, the church is moving. Heavenly Father, as we come to the close of this service, recognizing that we're a part of something much larger than ourselves, of people who have gone before us, people who are still here today, that we stand on their shoulders and we diffuse the mysteries of Christ and aroma of life to those who want to accept Christ and aroma of death who want to reject Him. A written letter from the Spirit of God. Lord, may we continue to progress in Your Word. And it's in your mighty name we pray, Lord Jesus, and the church said, amen. Amen. Thank you for sharing that last Sunday night. I mean, thank you so much. Be able to reuse it again today. Thank you. Come on, brother. All right. I'm going to ask you to stand with us for our... Um Actually, do we have any announcements? I don't think we have taken a, a chance to, to do any announcements. Uh, I know that our VBS is uh, officially starting tomorrow and uh, that we've, we've encountered some technical difficulties in printing those. Uh, and so we're going to get that taken care of. And I believe that uh, Miss Tanya will be handing those out, if I'm not mistaken. And are there any other uh, announcements that, that I'm unaware of? No? Okay. All right. Like I was saying a while ago, I'm going to ask you to stand with us as we close with the chorus of God of Wonders. Mm -hmm.